Well, um, to begin with, I just want to share with you, uh, May and myself, and my wife May, uh, currently we live in Croydon Park. Uh, but before this, we used to live in a place called Kensington. Um, does anyone know where Kensington is? Yeah, a couple of you guys. Great. Now, Kensington is in the eastern suburbs, really close to the city. And to get to the city, there were two ways that we could go there. Uh, there was the first road, and the first road was uh, a pretty normal road. It was a bit more of a roundabout way to get to the city. It took a bit longer, but the traffic was fairly okay. It was always fairly regular if we took the first road. But there was also a second road. Now, the second road was great. On a good day, it would take us about three minutes to drive from the start to finish. We'd save heaps of time. It was a great road to take, the second road. Uh, but it was also an unpredictable road. See, when it was busy, when people decided to come out, uh, when the, it was a Saturday or something like that, then this three minutes would blow out into half an hour. You know, it was just one of those roads where it was about a kilometre, but, you know, is there anything worse than sitting in traffic where you know that you could be there in three minutes, but you're there for half an hour? You know, that is surely a cruel joke on life, right? Traffic jams, I just hate it. And so this road, three minutes or half an hour, it was unpredictable, or we could take the first road, which was, it was safe, but it was a bit longer. And so every time we wanted to go to the city, we would come to the T-junction, Turn left, the unpredictable road. Turn right, our safe road. And every time we came to that T-junction, it was decision time. It was time to make a choice. And inevitably what would happen, I'd go, all right, I'm going to risk it, hit the traffic, and then there we go. Uh, but that's a bit like where we're at today. Uh, over the past few months, we've spent time looking at the Sermon on the Mount. And again and again, Jesus has been talking about what it looks like to be someone who follows him. But now, today, it's decision time. We have to make a choice. And we know that Jesus has come to the end of his sermon because he presents us with a series of pictures. Uh, two paths, two fruits, two confessions, two buildings. And each picture is asking you, demanding you, telling you, it's time to make a choice. It's time to make a decision. And so today, we're just going to be looking at the first half of these. So look with me at what Jesus has to say at the start. Verse 13. Verse 13. He says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life, and few find it. Now, the first picture that we get is of two very, very different roads. They're different in their appearances, but they're also different in their destination. And I think the question we have to ask ourselves is, what does Jesus mean by this narrow gate? What is he talking about when he talks about the broad road versus the difficult road? Now, at this point, I think for most of us here, for a Christian, you go, okay, the narrow gate is about trusting in Jesus, right? The narrow gate is surely about trusting in Jesus and the salvation that he has won for us. That is the narrow gate. And I want to say that's true, but we have to remember that at this point, Jesus hasn't gone to the cross. He hasn't actually died on the cross for our sins just yet. He's actually speaking to a group of people, to his own disciples, about what it will look like to follow him, to obey him, to give their life to be his disciple. 
In other words, Jesus isn't simply speaking about what it means to be a saviour here. What does it mean to enter the narrow gate, to go on the difficult road? It's actually about obedience to Jesus. It's about having Jesus not only as your saviour, but as your Lord, someone that you'll follow and follow his commandments. And there's two things that stand out about Jesus' description of these gates then. One we have the narrow and one we have the other gate. So read with me again in verse 13. It says, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life and few find it. See, the other gate, when you don't follow Jesus, that gate is wide. That road is broad. You can see it from a mile away. But the road of following Jesus is difficult. And the point that Jesus is making here is, if you choose to follow him, don't expect it to be easy. The path of the Christian disciple is hard. And the road that you walk on won't be leisurely and easy. You'll have to watch your step. You'll have to be on your guard. It will be a difficult road. And I suspect that if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you'll know this. That actually to be someone who follows Jesus is not like being on a cruise ship where you can sit back and you can enjoy the buffet and you can enjoy the entertainment. You know, to follow Jesus is much more like entering a battlefield where you have to be on guard And sure, we face persecution from outside. But actually, I think one of the hardest things about being a follower of Jesus is actually saying no to sin and the ungodly desires that wage war against our soul each day. It's to say no to those things, to the trials and the temptations, and to say yes to Jesus. You know, like, temptations are everywhere, right? Like, so when you're driving a car, for instance, and someone cuts in front of you, My automatic reaction is not to go, great, have a nice day, (laughs) right? That's not my automatic reaction. My automatic temptation is to say something that I shouldn't say right now, right? That's my automatic temptation. And in the same way, you know, if somehow you get money that comes into your bank or uh, either through tax or somehow you just get uh, more money for some reason, what's our temptation? Is it to give generously to gospel ministry with that money? Well, for me, actually, the temptation is just to spend it on myself. Maybe it's an extra night out for dinner that I can have. And Jesus says, be salt and light. And when we're amongst a group of friends and the opportunity comes up where we can see, actually, I can bring this to a gospel conversation. I can talk about Jesus. You know, I'm a Bible college student. And my temptation at that point is to keep quiet. And yet to follow Jesus, to be a disciple of his, means to say no to my own temptations, no to what I want, but actually to listen to Jesus' commands and to follow him and to obey him. And Jesus says, actually, difficult, difficult is the road that leads to the narrow gate. But the second description that Jesus gives is that many go through the broad gate, but only a few Go through the narrow gate. Now, at this point, Jesus isn't making a point about absolute numbers. 
You know, he's not saying that if you have a big church, that's a bad church. Or if you have a small church, then, yeah, you're a godly church. Right? Jesus isn't making a comment about numbers. Rather, Jesus is making this point, that to follow him won't be following the popular view. If you follow Jesus, you will not be following the popular view. So even in his time, there were crowds that would come to Jesus. They would flock to him. They loved him. Everyone loved Jesus. But then when he spoke about the cross, when he spoke about suffering, when he spoke about persecution, they left. Even when Jesus was walking the earth, follow him wasn't the popular view. And in the same way today, if you follow Jesus... That will not bring you into the popular view. It will not gain you the love of people around you. You know, everyone around us says, it's a dog-eat-dog world, so you just got to do what you need to do to get to the top. And Jesus says, actually, the meek will inherit the kingdom of God. And when I look around at the unis and the ads on TV, everything is saying, work hard so that you can get a good job, so that you can have a good security, so that everything will be okay when you retire. And Jesus says, store for yourself treasures in heaven. And when I speak to my friends and those around me, and when I read the news, what I hear is, do whatever you want as long as it makes you happy. And Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. There are many who go through the broad gate. But only a few go through the narrow gate. To follow Jesus will not give you the world's approval. And so we have to ask ourselves, well, why do I want to go through this narrow gate? Why do I want to go on this difficult road? Well, I think the first answer is actually, even though it's hard, to follow Jesus is actually good. You know, even though it's hard at times, if you actually listen to Jesus' commands and you actually do what he says, it's actually good. You know, I think, for instance, I'll give you an example, sex, right? (laughs) Our world is confused about sex. On one hand, it says it's the most important thing in the world and you have to have it. And without it, you are incomplete. And on the other hand, it says sex is nothing. No, it doesn't matter if you do it or not. But we all know that's not true. Right, And actually, Jesus says, sex is amazing, and it's incredibly powerful. And God has created it for the purpose of marriage, to bind two people together in such a way that they can never be separated. And when you use sex in that way, it works. It actually works. And if you have a look at any other of Jesus' commandments, they may be hard, but they work. When you actually forgive someone rather than shout them down and you work at that relationship, your relationship will be so much richer for it. And you know that when you go out shopping and you buy and you buy and you buy and you buy and you come back home, you feel empty. And Jesus says, actually, that's because you need to store up for something much greater than that. And so the first thing I want to say is, why should we listen to Jesus? Because even though it's hard... His commandments are actually good. And you can talk to many, many Christians who will say, yes, his commandments are hard, 
but actually when I follow them, they are good. But I think more specifically, why does Jesus call for us to enter the narrow gate? Well, verse 13, he says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the road is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who go through it, but how narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life? And few find it. See, what's Jesus talking about here? He's saying to follow him, to enter the narrow gate, is to have life, eternal life. And Jesus will achieve this by going to the cross and laying down his life so that when we die and we meet God, we will have eternal life. But the opposite, to reject him, is to reject life. It's to face destruction. What we have on view here are eternal consequences. Life, destruction, heaven, hell. I just wonder if we feel the weight of what Jesus is saying here. So often in our conversations, uh, what we talk about, it's light, it's airy, it's superficial. We don't like to get down deep. But here, Jesus is taking a sledgehammer and he's breaking that and he's saying, listen, listen. Listen, because what I'm saying here, you can't just simply ignore. He's saying there is no middle way. There is either a road to life or a road to destruction. Put it another way. Jesus is saying here that if you're a Hindu or you're a Buddhist or you're a Muslim, these are not simply different religions that lead somewhere else no these are broad roads that will lead you to destruction and if you're sitting here today and you feel well i'm not decided yet i'm still making up my mind notice that jesus doesn't say there's a middle road there is no neutral space you are either already on the road following jesus towards life Or you are already on the road, rejecting him and facing destruction. And you know that someone hasn't understood this. If if you speak to them and they say, well, I'll think about it later. I'll think about it later. I'll think about it later. Because Jesus says, no. What I'm saying here is not something small or inconsequential. What I'm speaking about here is eternal. This is eternal life or eternal destruction. And so the time for decision is now. The time for decision is now. But that brings us then to Jesus' second illustration. And he speaks then about the two types of prophets. So look with me in verse 15. He says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. Now, prophets are those who speak the word of God. Uh, They represented God, and if someone says they represent God, then you should listen to them. Now, as Christians, uh, as Christians who have been given the Holy Spirit, We believe that actually when we speak the words of the gospel, when we speak words from scripture to one another, in some sense, we're all speaking prophetically to one another. And so that could be how we understand this section. 
But I think in this case, the closest example of what Jesus has in mind would be someone who teaches and preaches the word of God. It's someone who has been placed in an authority, uh, authoritative position to actually teach you about what does God say and who is he. And so you can see why Jesus might be talking about them, because if there are two paths, and these two paths are so important, one leading to life and the other to destruction, then the prophet of God, you would want them to lead you on the right path, wouldn't you? But here, Jesus says, be careful. Be careful because not everyone who claims to be a prophet is truly one. You could be in danger and not even know it. And I love the example that he gives of this uh, sheep, but inside actually it's a wolf. You know, I can just imagine a sheep, Billy the sheep or something like that. He's just hanging out by himself, eating the grass. He's just enjoying the day. You know, he's like, I'm a sheep. I'm just doing my sheep things. I'm enjoying life, thinking that everything is safe, not even realizing that right next to him. That's not a sheep. That's a wolf down there, right? (laughs) So you can just imagine that. But Jesus says, actually, so is the case with the false prophet. You know, they look like someone who has come to tell you about God. Outside, they've got all the credentials, but actually inside, they are ravenous wolves and they will lead you on the path to destruction. And so Jesus says, beware, watch out for them. And how do you know? How do you know that the person teaching you it's not like a false prophet. I'm hoping, you know, you're not wondering that about me at the moment. But how would you actually know? And Jesus says, look at their fruit. Verse 16. Verse 16. You'll recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit. But a bad tree produces bad fruit. And I think it's pretty clear what Jesus is saying here. Just like you're not going to get apple from a pear tree or pears from an apple tree. You're not going to get good fruit from a bad tree. And so who someone is, who they really are, whether they're really from God or not, it will be revealed in their fruit, in their life, in their teaching. And so I think that's why it's so important uh, that actually we come to church, that we gather as God's people. Because we live in a world where, uh, you know, sermons you can get online You can just go on the internet and you can get a podcast or something and you can listen to the greatest preachers in the world. But do you actually know them? Do you actually see their fruit? Do you see the life that they actually live? And and so often we're attracted to people because they preach well rather than being attracted to someone because they actually live a life that is worthy and commendable and is actually good fruit. The Bible says again and again, the life of the teacher matters. But the fruit of someone is also seen in their teaching. When someone teaches about God, does it actually accord with what the Bible is saying? Um, I was in New Zealand recently as part of, uh, I'm a Bible college student, and we got to go to New Zealand to tell people about Jesus. A great experience, loved it. But it was really sad in many ways. Because I spoke to so many people who actually grew up in churches but were no longer Christian. They had thrown away their faith. And when I probed a bit deeper and asked them why, it turns out that for so many of them, they had grown up in churches that neither trusted nor believed in the Bible. 
They neither trusted nor believed in the Bible. They didn't actually think that the Bible was authoritative, that they could hear God speak through it. And when you do that, when you distort a certain part of the Bible and then you compromise another part, and eventually you'll deny a part of the Bible, what you get left with are basically man-made teachings. And that's got no power to save whatsoever. And so we have to keep asking ourselves, does what this teacher teaches us, does it actually accord with the Bible? Now notice what Jesus actually says next. He says in verse 19, Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. See, a time will come when these false prophets, they will be called to give an account before God. If you misrepresent God, you will be called to give an account. But did you notice that Jesus doesn't end there? That's not how he ends this section. In verse 20, he continues. So you'll recognize them by their fruit. You'll recognize them by their fruit. See, Jesus concludes this section by putting the onus back on us. He's saying, actually, as we sit there, do you know your Bible well enough to actually be able to understand what they're teaching and whether it checks out. He's putting the onus back on us. See, it's a bit like, you know, if you have an apple and it's rotting and you see half a worm poking out and it smells funky and you still decide to bite into it and then you feel sick afterwards, you can't blame it all on the apple, can you? You know what I'm saying? So in the same way, Jesus is saying, actually, there may be false prophets But have you examined their fruit? Have you assessed their fruit? And so one of the things I love is actually uh, in gospel teams. I remember I had this time once this year in this gospel team um, where as we were leading the Bible study and I gave what I thought was the right answer, the good answer, you know, a clear, concise answer. And then one of the group members said, I know what you're saying, Vincent. But where is that actually from the Bible? (laughs) And that's a great question to ask, right? That's a great question to ask when we actually hear something from the front, but we actually go, is this what the Bible is teaching? And so Jesus warns us, examine the fruit. Examine the fruit. But as we think about prophets and the weight of examining them, I want us to bring us to the final point, that Jesus is not simply a good option. See, why does Jesus put so much emphasis on false prophets? It's because the prophets will lead you on a road. And will that road lead you to eternal life? Will it lead you to the narrow, but the gate that leads to life? And here we have Jesus, the true prophet, the one who is truly from God. And he says to all of us, enter Enter the narrow gate, for that is the gate that brings life. You know, I want us to notice what Jesus is not saying here. You know, sometimes we have a tendency to soften Jesus' words. See, Jesus is not saying here that there's simply two paths. You know, on your way driving here, you might have taken the main road or you might have taken the back road. Different roads, different routes, but eventually you get to the final same destination. Jesus is not saying that this is what the paths look like. And neither is Jesus saying, actually, one path 
will delay you a bit and the other will get you there quicker, but they'll get you there in the end. You know, sometimes we hit certain roads and it's got heavy traffic and we go, okay, avoid that road. But if you accidentally get on that road, it's annoying and you're stuck in traffic, but you get where you're going. You know, like you get there in the end and it's okay. That's not what Jesus is saying either. Jesus is saying, actually, on one road, there are big signs saying, do not enter, because if you do, you will die. If you do, there is no saving. There is only judgment. There is only destruction. And so turn around and go on the other road. Turn around and follow Jesus. Go on the difficult road. Go on the road that leads to the narrow gate. And when Jesus came, he didn't come as a wolf. He came as a shepherd who would lay down his life for his sheep so that we could enter the narrow gate. See, the gate is narrow and and the road is difficult. If you decide to follow Jesus, I'm not going to lie to you here. It will be hard at times. It will be very hard. But you know what? What is at stake here is eternity. When you cross that gate and you get to the other side and you see what's in store, all of that difficulty, all of that hardship, it will feel like nothing. And so, yes, the road is hard and the gate is narrow. But Jesus says, enter that because it brings life, eternal life. And so I hope we hear the weight of what Jesus is saying. The crowds that day heard Jesus and they marveled. As we sit here, which road are you on, friend? Are you on the road that brings life? Or are you on the road that brings destruction? Which road are you on? And if we are on those, on the road that is already following Jesus then surely, surely this should keep us driving to keep telling other people about Jesus as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that in Christ Jesus we find one who would lay down his life for his sheep. We thank you that as Christ Jesus told us to enter the narrow gate and to go on the road that is difficult and hard, he does so because he loves us. He does so that we may find life and not destruction. And we pray for all of us here that we would hear that today and that we would choose to follow him and to know that he does bring us salvation. In the name of Christ Jesus, we pray these things. Amen.